Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Hello and welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast. If you are an avid listener to our show, welcome back. And for those of you who are finding us for the first time, we hope that you'll find the following interview compelling and informative. Our next guest is Kevin Donahue, who earlier this year was promoted from CEO of North American Operations for Willow, a global technology company working within the real estate and infrastructure industries, with offices in Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Seattle, New York, London, Manila, and Amersfoort, to its vice chair and global head of corporate development. Kevin's background, like that of so many others whom we interviewed on this show, is unconventional and leads through Wall Street, various advisory roles, and one that finally landed him at Brookfield, where he was tasked, amongst other things, to look for technology partners who can help the company scale into that area of expertise. This led him to a leadership role at Willow, which we'll explore now, as well as his perspective on the market and where the tech space is taking hold in the commercial real estate world. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Kevin, good afternoon. How are you? Thanks, Vlad. Thanks for asking. I'm terrific. I hope you are as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're we're doing well here. Uh, it was good to uh, good to connect with you finally. Here, uh, we had a little bit of a back and forth here on uh, on our on our scheduling, but it's always uh, nice to finally get somebody in front of a microphone. Um, Kevin, as kind of a an introduction, sort of a you know a little bit of a background about about yourself. Do you mind um, you know for just for the audience telling us a little bit about you know. Uh, your background, who you are, and uh, where where do you work now? Sure. So, first of all, I'd just like to thank you personally and Registry for inviting me and 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 Willow to participate in your in your program here. Um, so, yeah, I'd be happy to share just a quick thumbnail sketch. I, I've been in the commercial real estate business broadly defined for most of my career. Um, I spent uh, following a couple of years with Arthur Young. Which was one of the predecessors to uh, to Ernst, Ernst Young today. I, uh, I I began in the brokerage business, commercial real estate brokerage business in New York City. With which I will just there retake. I began uh, in the real estate business with what was then Coldwell Banker and is today CBRE. Um, and so I spent a good portion of my uh, my working life there. About ten twelve years ago. I was invited to uh, make a switch to join Brookfield, the large uh, global asset manager. Sure. Um, and and so I, I led corporate development, working with the CEO um, at Brookfield to, um, among other things, identify new emerging ways of creating value and and uh, and, and operating real estate of all different categories and around the world. Um, and so. My experience there at Brookfield um, introduced me to the company I'm with now, which is Willow. Willow Technologies, based in Sydney, um, and after serving as the, as the customer for several years, I had the the opportunity to accept an invitation from Josh Ridley 
our founder and CEO to join Willow and uh, participate in the leadership role with the uh, you know the, the further growth and expansion of uh, of Willow. Yep, yep. So tell us a little bit about Willow. What what does the company do, and kind of what was the genesis of the organization? How did it come about, as you will? Sure. So I mean, Willow is a it's a global technology company um, founded in 2017. Um, and specialize in what we refer to as digital twin technology. Um, Josh had been running a company that was involved in the design and construction of major complex assets prior to um, the pivot to Willow. And so, so he personally and, and most people in the organization have a, a, uh, you know, a longstanding career path and experience in the world of physical assets. And, and so while I was at Brookfield and we met, we met uh, Josh and Willow. Um, the, the real estate industry, you know, among others, has been fa- faced with a challenge of the conversion of what was traditionally delivered, um, you know, on paper, you know, like things like plans from engineers right. and architects or in logbooks from the equipment manufacturers, you know, for the ongoing maintenance and operations of, of uh, sophisticated equipment in the assets. And the design, construction, and development groups um, it, it, Brookfield, as an example, um, you know, faced the challenge of, of combining and aggregating all of that information about the design and construction of the building and then need to turn over the information to the asset managers and the property managers so that they can you know, continue on the care and feeding of the asset for the rest of its useful life. And so the digital twin, which um, can, can, it, it can be a... Um, exact replica of the asset, but for purposes of this discussion, think of it as a um, as an integration hub for all of the other technology that, that is associated with a particular asset. Yep. And what the digital twin does is it allows for all of the other technology in the building to be integrated or plugged into the digital twin so that two things happen. Number one, um, you can look and see how accounting relates to capital projects, relates to security and sensors. And so all of the information from an operational standpoint can be consolidated and viewed and operated through a single screen. But even greater significance is when all of this technology is integrated, the data associated with each of the independent and separate systems comes together um, or can come together in a massive data graph even more complex than a you know a simple database, so that the information can be accessed in real time, but um, can then be analyzed, and predictions and reports and 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 uh, more evolved thinking about how the asset both operates and how it can improve in value in the future um, are much more readily available. Yeah, and you use the term digital twin, which I think in your world is something very specific, but just sort of for the benefit of our of our audience is, is that also a technical term and i apologize if i'm asking a very basic question but just out of curiosity you know um is 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 that a standard term used now in the industry for the type of work that you guys do well what i'll say is that digital twins are not new um the the notion of a digital twin or you know a technological replica if you will of something physical have been around for decades and really it um, started probably over 50 years ago with NASA and the design and construction of rocket engines. 
And so in order to be able to produce multiple prototypes to test what was going to work best and would be safest was so expensive for rocket engines that even though the technology compared to today was, you know, much less sophisticated, it was still more um, effective than, you know, building physical prototypes and then destroying them and, you know, improving upon the last one. So these, these digital replicas of sophisticated, um, smaller objects, physical objects like a rocket engine, you know, as technologies progressed, as the sophistication in using technology has become more standard across the economy, across societies, et cetera, the ability to deploy technology like this is now very commercially practical um, at scale in the real estate industry and other large um, assets like rail and and mining and aviation. Yeah, and that's that's very helpful. Um, who are the company's customers? So you mentioned Brookfield because that's where you worked, uh, but I, I imagine uh, your job is to sort of help grow that roster as well, right? Um, tell us maybe a typical customer that you guys are looking for, uh, maybe if you can't disclose the name, sort of the types of yep. work that they do and kind of how you would integrate with their with their operations. Yeah, but I, I could do a little bit of both, if you will. So the um, the the opportunity as we see it, and, and we work very closely with Microsoft in this particular case because um, Microsoft, through their own efforts, has been um, rebuilding, transforming their headquarters campus in, um, in Redmond for the last five years. And so much of the, uh, I'll say, pioneering work around how digitization can actually improve the, you know, the operational effectiveness of the workplace as well as the performance of the asset um, is being pioneered by, by Microsoft. And, and so we're, we're in, as Willow, looking at the opportunity to actually digitize the built world and, and use technology as a way to um, better aggregate information, make you know, longer decisions, and, and frankly, um, would focus on things like sustainability and otherwise improve the quality of, of the world's environment. Um, so the, the, the types of customers which you just asked about is in, in the real estate category, um, Brookfield, the Durst organization, um, uh, represent a couple of the, of the owner operators in both office buildings and high-rise multifamily where there's been you know, significant deployment with both new development and existing buildings um, that have, have, have been adopted. Um, we also have customers like uh, SoFi Stadium in LA, yep. where you know the last Super Bowl was played, um, and then and in uh, a couple of large airports, which unfortunately I'm not at liberty to disclose who they are, but um, one in particular, um, you know, one of the largest airports in the world. We're digitizing not only the terminals, but the you know the runways, the baggage handling. All the, 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 these large airports actually function as a as a as a small city. Yep. And so all of the services and physical characteristics of, of what goes on in a, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a complex like that are digitized. So that's kind of in the real estate arena. We've also got major um, client relationships in rail, both heavy haul, which is something you see in mining, as well as passenger rail. Yep. So we're, we're working with the largest rail maintenance group in Europe, um, See, two of the largest, uh, you know, mineral and resource heavy haul rail lines in Australia 
Um, <clears throat> you know, Australia is is a lot of commodities shipped to you know around the world. Sure. Yep. And so, uh, um, if we can improve the operating time and utilization of the rails from a typical eighty-five to eighty-six percent utilization up into the ninety-five to ninety-nine percent um, realm, which is which is the experience we're having. Um, it significantly increases the capacity of those rail lines to move the ore from the mine, you know, across land into the ports for distribution around the world. Um, and then we have we have expanding interests in, in, in North America as well. Yeah, th- that was going to be actually my you know follow up question is, do you find this level of sophistication for what you guys do primarily here in the U.S. and North America? Now, obviously, you know, Brookfield has its operations in Canada, but very, very big in the U.S. too. You said the company's based out of Sydney, so I'm not surprised that you know there are some relationships there in uh, Australia as 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 well. But 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 from kind of a you know um, commercial real estate point of view, do, do you find you know you know companies like Willow and what 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 you do? Do you find acceptance of that technology you know to be um, kind of on the forefront here in the U.S. or are, are we are we lagging uh, some some other countries? I, you know, I, I definitely say that's a great question, Vlad. Um, I, I would not say we're lagging, um, but but I I, will, I would also say we're not. Um, you know, we don't have any any lead on you know Europe and, and Australia in particular with the adoption of this kind of technology, for example. Um, and so, in part of our strategy for the organization is shifting our focus you know part of it's just population and infrastructure and and, and you know physical um uh, or critical mass of buildings in the marketplace so australia has 25 million people in the country um we get 25 million people in the new york metropolitan area right and so part right. of part of part of the shift is to um you know to just spend more time here in north america um, with the you know with decision makers leading large global companies, um, with deployment across the portfolios of assets, rail, aviation, um, you know real estate um, in North America, and then use that as a as a way to um, you know lead the way for other marketplaces around the world where there are large large investments, um, and and then and then the third component to that is. As we're growing, we're also, you know, we're going to be looking at raising additional capital in the future. And we, we believe that the marketplace is most sophisticated and evolved um, from, from a capital sourcing standpoint here in North America. So um, there's, we're, we're not leaving uh, Australia behind. Sure. We're incredibly well um, established there. Investa is one of the big real estate comfort customers we have there that I did not mention before. Um, so it's just, it's much more of an expansion uh, but we have offices in London and the Netherlands and, um, you know, uh, Melbourne, Sydney, but also Toronto, New York, Dallas, Seattle. Um, yeah. So we're, we're really looking to make sure that we've got a global footprint with our, our people and resources, but also on our ability to serve our, our customers. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting about that also, and, um, you know, you mentioned your project here in, you know, Redmond, and, and I happen to be here in Seattle, so that's, that's sort of a local project here for us. But yeah, sure. um, I can imagine these companies also taking you to other parts of the world as well, because whatever you do with them, let's say in one geography, 
you know, all of these are global companies. They will they will likely take you to do stuff with them in Europe and Asia and Latin America and elsewhere. Um, uh, that would be my ex- my expectation. I, I imagine you're already starting to see that happen. It's very much so. And 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 you know, one of the client categories that I did not mention before, and I, I can I can talk about it um, on a little bit more of a generic basis. But you know, one of the largest financial service institution that's building a new headquarters in New York is a is a is a customer. Um, one of the largest retailers in the world that's building a new headquarters out in uh, kind of the South Midwest is a customer, um, and 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 Microsoft is both a technology, you know, um, provider and partner as well as a customer. Right. So these large owner occupiers are are equally committed to improving, you know, how the how the the real estate portfolio that they house their employees. That they distribute their equipment from, that they you know that they uh, drive their data center um, businesses from, all require global portfolios of infrastructure and property. And so you're absolutely right, but it's it's uh, you know it starts here in uh, North America in, in many of these headquarters towns, but um, has the ability to spread very dynamically around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is the company in its uh, life cycle? I mean, obviously, you are a little bit advanced given all the offices you have sort of around the world. Um, but how do you guys see kind of the next, I don't know, three to five years evolving uh, more fundraising? And you mentioned that a little bit. Um, uh, you know, are you profitable? You know, where, where are you kind of in that, in that um, uh, you know, stage of your evolution? So uh, we have roughly 12 offices around the world. Um, we're over 300 going on 400 employees. Um, so from a scale standpoint, I mean, that gives you a size of the critical mass of the organization. Yep. Um, we're, we're, um, still growing the business and it's a SaaS business, um, model. So we are, we're, we're definitely, we get plenty of money in the bank. We're in a terrific position. We've had uh, a couple of very strong, um, raises last year and at the end of 2019. Um, so we're, we're positioned to really build traction with our current customer base, whether the current, what I'll say, uh, you know, capital market storm while everyone you know, gets more settled around the spike in interest rates and inflation, you know, the, 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 the war in the Ukraine, um, you know, some uncertainty around, uh, um, you know, just the, whether or not there's going to be a recession. And we're just we're heads down and focused, Vlad, and growing our business with our with our, our terrific and existing customers, so we can lead the way. And we'll we expect to be back in the market sometime next year, for uh, you know for a round B. But in the meantime, we've got uh, we've got plenty of support from our customers, a couple of strategic partners, both in terms of business and capital. And um, you know we're excited about where where the future is taking us over the next three to five years. Yeah. There seems to be um, a lot of companies in this, if you want to call it kind of prop tech space, right? And usually, when there's a sort of a kind of a you know an, an early stage of a of, of of an industry, what what happens is there's a myriad of little companies with with ideas and um, you know businesses trying to sort of make something out of it. As this you know um, moves along, you know there's acquisitions. There's obviously uh, you know com- companies merging with one another. Um, how, how do you see this evolving for you guys? Like, is, is your exit strategy to you know hope to grow the amount of services that you can provide? The, and I know I might be sort of going a little bit far ahead, but 
Um, just from what you can share, you know, would would you consider you know merging with companies? Would you consider being bought out? Um, what are some thoughts 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 on that? So so you know, I guess having been in the real estate business for you know closer to forty years than thirty, um, I've come to appreciate the fact that there's very little emotional attachment to physical assets, and everything's ultimately for sale at the right price. Um, but, but, but at the current stage, Bob, we have no interest or plans on selling the company. Um, we think that we're at a particularly opportune time and, and, and a leader, if not the leader in this category. Um, we'll let you know, the marketplace de- determine exactly where we sit in, in, in that respect. Um, but what we, we do see, I've had the good fortune, um, if you look at it that way, of having lived through or you know, worked long enough to live through at least five pretty significant corrections in, in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, what I've always observed happens is that, uh, you know, there's a flight to quality and, and those organizations, those people, those strategies that may have been fine during, you know, a bull market or a, um, a rising tide, if you will, under a lot more pressure to perform when, uh, you know, we run into a, a, an economic environment like we're in now. And so, I think inevitably there will be some consolidation of, uh, you know, of, of organizations that are looking to emerge into the real estate technology arena. Um, some of that will be because, you know, the, the idea was a solution looking for a problem and couldn't find one. Um, some organizations are just not as well capitalized as you yeah. need to be to, yeah. to, you know, to, to be in it for the long run. And, and, and to be honest with you, culture and leadership, um, has in my mind, if not everything, just about everything to do with, you know, um, and a, and a, a company's ability to overcome great odds and to thrive. And so I, I have worked with a lot of organizations over the, the span of my life and career and Willow's, you know, right at the top in terms of, um, the grit, determination and integrity of the leadership of the culture of the investors and 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 the support from strategic partners like Microsoft and and Procore, um, Procore the you know the construction management firm is a terrific strategic partner, um, and and so what what we're seeing is the you know the the, the strong organizations with strong people, um, strong customer relationships, and a genuine value add offering and, and you know that can be articulated yeah. are are going to thrive in this. Um, this, uh, you know, current economic correction, we expect to come through this strong and emerge even stronger. And I, I would not be surprised if we end up, uh, you know, picking up some extra people and resources um, as a result of some consolidation in the industry. And then, you know, one, two, three, four, five years down the road, it's anybody's bet as to, sure. you know, <laughs> right. what, what emerges is the right capital event. Is it an IPO? Is it consolidation with one of the, you know, the really large global organizations? Not yet seen, but, but uh, you know, we're really happy where, where we are right now. We're thrilled to have the opportunity, you know, to be having conversations like this one. Yeah. yeah. With the experience that you've had in the industry and you've had the fortune to sort of, you know, move to a, you know, tech firm within within the space, um, how quickly is this, is this moving? And so for anybody that's kind of in the industry, you know, today, whether it's a broker or, you know, developer or, uh, uh, you know, project management firm, right. 
Um, what are what are the necessary skills that you think will really distinguish somebody from from their peers going forward? Well, it's it's pretty dramatic, uh, but the there really was little or no material um, substance to the industry prior to twenty eighteen ish. That was that seems to be kind of there was there was relatively little venture capital. The companies that were beginning to emerge, um, you know, were performing a very specific function, but weren't expecting to become, you know, broad global platforms. Yeah, and it it kind of went through a a, a inflection point there in 2018, and so people can now spell real estate technology. Before that, I'm, you know, I don't think it was in most people's vocabulary. Yeah, I, I would it. I, you know the, the characteristics. It, it it takes fearlessness, a lot of grit, and, and and you know a willingness to embrace change, but to be really smart and thoughtful about it, so that so that um, not looking to change the way that we design, construct, and operate our assets so much as we are looking to um, improve upon what's already been done well in the past, and that to the extent that we can use technology to eliminate you know redundant processes whether it's leasing such as VTS has done or capital project management like Procore has done um, and and then take those different processes um, or process management platforms and use those to tie together not only the you know the activities that are being performed but the data that's generated from it and and you know look to stop doing things the old way that might've been a $25 a $30 an hour activity and let technology do the lower value activities and shift whether it's a chief engineer in a building or an asset manager who's sitting at, you know, at a desk marking each asset to market every quarter or, or month, um, et cetera. But to use technology so that the more mundane routine aspects of someone's role are eliminated and the person's able to actually be more creative and more um, invested in the outcome um, that, that results. Right, right. Are you finding, um, I mean, obviously for you, this was, you know, learning on, on the ground in the sort of, in the proverbial trenches, if you will, right? I think for many others, yep. it's it's the same. Is the industry catching up in terms of like, you know, continuing education, uh, what the associations are kind of helping folks do throughout the industry, uh, you know, schools and graduate schools, are they offering, you know, some kind of help or is this still too early where, you know, we're all trying to figure it out? It's still, I, I'd say well, the, 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 the industry's definitely woken up to it. And I still look at that, <clears throat> I don't know whether it's 2019 or 18 or 17, but it's definitely pre-COVID when <clears throat> the not just real estate, but the rail and the asset and the real estate industry um, you know, really began to evaluate and embrace technology as a tool that was going to be important to its future. And, and so the, the it's just partly a demographics, um, you know, um, uh, we just, I'm going to pause. I'm going to start. You know, demographics very much have, um, an impact <clears throat> on the degree to which the adoption, um, you know, will either accelerate or, or, you know, maintain its kind of current yep. slow and steady pace. But 
many of the trade organizations, um, the academic institutions, um, you know, are beginning to focus more and more on how technology can be um, deployed. But one of the, you know, the great outcomes is there's, I've seen more collaboration within the real estate industry among owner operators and among um, um, the um, occupier owners around adoption of technology and new business practices that can be leveraged through technology than I have in the, you know, the, the nearly 40 years I've, I've been working in the real estate industry here in New York City. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, Kevin, as you kind of canvas, you know, the industry now and, you know, looking back at your experience, um, you know, are, are there any pieces of advice you would give to any kind of, you know, young you know, budding uh, real estate professional wanting to get into the space, you know, things to consider, um, things to be on the lookout for, and sort of how, how does one advance kind of throughout throughout the industry now, kind of given given how, you know, big of a role technology plays and just understanding uh, data and analytics from, you know, um, wh- where you were, you know, 30 or plus years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, I came into the business, um, and it was you know the, <clears throat> some of the best options. Frankly, were, you know, being a Wall Street trader, commercial real estate broker, investment banker, and in each of those roles, continue to exist in you know very robust form. But but all three of those roles are you know the role of an intermediary, if you will, and and so particularly for incredibly complex transactions, and you know where there's a lot of uh, value involved. There will continue to be a need for human involvement and in, in, in interaction, but you know, particularly um, with the smaller and more more routine transactions, which is really the bulk of what happens with you know whether it's Wall Street or real estate or otherwise. And so, I think in, in looking ahead, um, it's important to focus on what are going to be some of the key drivers that'll be impacting real estate. I, I, there's going to be less new development than there will be redevelopment. Look at all the shopping centers around the, you know, the U.S. We don't need more malls. What we need to do is we need to um, transform the malls from single-purpose, you know, places to go buy stuff to live, work, play ecosystems that have um, residential, have retail, have some office, have some flexible workspace, maybe hotel, so that there's, you know, there's reasons to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it becomes a dynamic environment, um, and then the technology will then, you know, increase the ability to effectively operate and increase the value of those assets. So for people coming into the business, you know, looking forward, there's globalization, healthcare is going to be big, and certainly technology is going to have an increasingly significant impact on the built world. Um, design and construction is still going to need to, be, need to be done. You know, there's there's just some parts of the industry are, you know, they're going to, for at least the foreseeable future, remain very, um, you know, manual, but yeah. more and more of what we're going to be able to do is going to be supported by technology. And it'll, it'll invite data scientists and, you know, um, computer experts who are, are, you know, fluent in how to use artificial intelligence, um, you know, effectively and, and software robots effectively to um, perform many of the functions that, you know, people are performing today with Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin, I uh, appreciate your insight. Uh, this is uh, very informative and uh, great to hear from you. Uh, stay well. 
Yeah, well, thank you very much again, uh, you know, Willow, and and, uh, and I personally thank uh, you and Registry for inviting us to, to join you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Thank you.